There is a bond, a, a special bond between a man and a woman, actually between a husband and a wife. It's such a unique bond that there is none like it. And who created this bond between a husband and a wife? None other than God himself. God is the one that proclaimed it to be special. And we're, so today we're gonna talk about this bond and we're gonna talk about how the world is working its hardest to belittle it, but not today. So stay with us. Praise the Lord. Welcome to Bible study. We're so glad that you tuned in here to continue on in our series here of 1 Corinthians and this letter to the church. So today I have uh, Brother Hal, our special guest host here. We're gonna talk about just two chapters in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and chapter 6, continuing right on the coattails of, of Brother Thomas and Brother Corey uh, from last week. And uh, it, is a, uh, it is a great subject today. So before we get uh, too further along, let's go before the Lord in prayer, asking God to have his will and his way, and that this word here would just be magnified in our hearts and, and that we would learn how to live by it. So if you, ha you have a prayer request, you can please email those at prayermastershouse.org or you can click the link below. And we'll certainly believe with you, asking God to come in and his perfect will to come in and minister into your situation. So Brother Hal, if you would, would you take us now before the Lord in prayer? Loving Jesus, it is our privilege tonight to dwell upon the significant and important things that you have placed in the word to guide us. It truly is a continual light to our pathway. Thank you, Lord. Enlighten our understanding tonight. Help us lift your name up. Praise the name of Jesus tonight so that we can see the great things that you want to do in our life. We ask this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. 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 <clears throat> and like you said right there, Brother Howell, it's a continual light. It is. So what is written here in, uh, I think when I looked it up, it was what, 54 AD, 53 AD, somewhere in there is when Paul penned these words as he was inspired by God to write these words. It's a continual light to us today. It's still guiding us. Keeping on, yes. Yeah. So a lot of what we're going to talk about is sexual immorality. So just want to give you a heads up, parents, if you're out there, young kids are watching, I want to preference that. Because that's really all of chapter 5 and 6 is all about the sexual immorality of the Corinthian church at this time. And so, and so bef before we get on to chapter 5 and 6 here, uh, let's, I'm, let's set some groundwork. The groundwork, one little preface here. And that is a key element here because we're going to talk a lot of, about do's and don'ts. And do this, you go to heaven. Do this, you go to hell. And so when people hear that, it's just like, you mm. know what, yeah. uh, defense walls come up, <clears throat> anger comes up even, you know, resentment, whatever, all these negative kind of emotions come up. They do. And, but with all this, there is one key element that we always remember. Sin can be forgiven. Praise the Lord for <laughs> that. Why do you think Paul was writing this letter to the Corinthians? He was tr addressing some major issues that's going on right here that we're going to talk about. But the point is, for they could come around and say, hey, let me make this aware to you, but sin can be forgiven because our Savior Jesus died for us, and he died for those sins. And so uh, don't let, don't let uh, 
anger. Don't let resentment. Don't let any of that come, come about. Don't let a hard heart, a stubborn heart come about. Just let the Lord work on all of us because we all, every one of us, has sinned and fallen short of the glory oh, of God. Yeah. And so what's worse than sin? Unforgiven sin. Unforgiven yeah, sin. Yeah, that's really that's bad. That's it. What's worse than sin is unforgiven sin. So just keep that in mind. All I got to do is what, say, Lord, I'm sorry. Repent of my ways. Change my ways. Let me start. Instead of walking this path, let me start walking your Amen path this way. Amen to that. So all right, that's, that's, that's a little preface. Let's get into it. Uh, verse 1 right here. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication as it is not so much as named among the Gentiles. So that means it's pretty bad kind of fornication. That one should have his father's wife. Verse 2 right here, this, it gets even worse right here. It says, and ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that ye hath, uh, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. So basically right here, Paul's addressing this issue in the Corinth church. He says, guess what? I've heard some news. And there is a son that's uh, committing fornication with his stepmom. What's even just as bad as that is that they are so arrogant. They're mm -hmm. puffed up. That's what Paul's meaning when we say puffed up. They're so arrogant they, had, they were blinded to the, one of the most offensive sins within the church. Yeah, you know, and the interesting thing is they're not talking about the people across town yeah. over there, uh, you know, uh, doing voodoo or something. You know, they're talking about <laughs> yeah. in the church. In the church. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is just what Satan loves to do. He likes to lull us to sleep mm -hmm. with complacency so that we don't really see our acknowledge in the way we should what we need to do to get things right. And, and uh, he inebriates us with his subtle ways. And beginning with the fourth verse, it says, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. So Paul was really concerned about this situation, this guy, well, what he was doing. And, uh, uh, but he wasn't really giving up. I mean, you can already see that. There was a contrast. Is there a way to s save him if we do something about the flesh right now? Can we, in the end, pull this guy back in? He, he wanted him to come around and to repent and to get right with God. But how is the person turned over to Satan? Well, there, there's at least two things to consider when we're talking about uh, being turned over to Satan. When I began to read this, my mind began to just roll on and on about the power of prayer because one of the ways you st you stop praying you stop praying for that person and and in Ephesians 6:18 sometimes this is overlooked when it talks about in the 6th chapter the whole armor of God 
And you, you, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and high places and all of that. And, and you got to put on this armor. You got to have this sword. You got to have this shield. But sometimes it's overlooked that the power of the whole thing, the thing that makes the machine work, the thing that really builds up the walls of protection is in that 18th verse. He makes it clear that prayer one for another is part of the whole armor of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. That's important. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Supplication is a word that means you're really digging deep. You're serious. This is a prayer that's important. This is an intercessory prayer. And this is what makes the spirit world move in our favor. And because Satan's out there mm-hmm. trying to destroy us. Remember that in Daniel, you know, when that scripture said, Michael Archangel, he said, you know, I would have been here 21 days ago, but the prince of Persia hindered me. So there's a spiritual warfare going on and praying one for one another makes us know that there is an ability for our loving saints of the Lord to be able to win the battles that they're facing. Uh, and the path to, is difficult. You know, when you hear this fellow was really in a jam, and, <clears throat> you know, the, the plan of action here was to see if we couldn't get him to hit rock bottom, wake up and shake up. You know, let's get our act together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and hope, Paul hoped that once he hit the bottom, it, he would... Okay, come on, shake himself. <laughs> I need to get things right here. I'm, I'm in a special church, in a special place. There's a special anointing here, and look what I'm doing. Maybe when he loses everything, when he's out there in the world, yeah. when he loses it all, then when he hits that rock bottom, like you said, then he can come back. He yes. can come back and say, you know what? I'm going to come back with a repentant heart. I come back humble. I come back not thinking that I know what is best and not just getting away with it. As we, as we continue to read right here, a uh, very famous verse right here in verse six says, your glorying, right? Paul is saying right here, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice or wit and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity, right there, genuineness yes. and truth. So why does a little leaven leaven the whole, month, uh, the whole lump? You know, it's like, it's like throwing this little word out there called acceptance. And you talked about it, Derek, just a little bit ago. You talked about how the devil was creeping in and, and those subtle lies and mm. putting everybody to kind of sleep. And coupled with that, Brother Thomas and Brother Corey talked last week about how the carnality just kind of set in and all of a sudden created these divisions. The carnality was still setting in right here to where they just started to accept one little thing. Yeah, they accepted they one little lie from the devil. They accepted one little understanding from a carnal perspective instead of relying on God's spirit and God's wisdom. As they talked last week, 
to understand these words. All right. And that one little thing of acceptance, ooh, you know what? That creates bigger, bigger problems. That's the little leaven that's going to leaven the whole lump. A little bit of acceptance here in this area causes problems everywhere. But I'm reminded of the Lord's Prayer, right? When he says, give us daily bread. So that means daily I got to go seek the Lord. Daily I'm asking for his wisdom and his guidance and his word. And what's he say? Forgive us of our trespasses. That's a daily communion Amen, with the Lord is. to forgive me of whatever wrong I do. That's, that's, that's that sincerity and that's that genuineness. And again, to deliver us from evil. If, I, if I'm praying that the Lord would deliver me from evil, that's a recognition that I'm living in the midst of evil and I need help. I cannot rely on my carnal way of thinking, my carnal flesh, that's going to lead me into an attitude of, of committing fornication, having sex with my father's wife. Wow, yeah. And the, the sin on top of that is being, the rest of the church just being kind of okay with it. Yeah. That's a dangerous ground. It is. And, and right there going on in the, the ninth uh, verse of the fifth chapter, uh, he acknowledges that, that uh, I wrote unto you in, in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetousness or the extortioners or with idolaters, for then you must needs go out of the world. So you're in the world, obviously. It says, but now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother. So we're talking about people in the church, and this, this was a brother. Mm -hmm. And they were going to isolate him, separate him. If they be a fornicator or a covetous or an idolater or a a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such an one know not to eat. For what have I do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? And of course, excommunication is not what we're talking about here. Uh, that's something altogether different. Uh, that's not the subject here. And that could only be done by the pastor. Uh, not yeah. the congregation or anybody. Uh, uh, more than anything, the, the Corinthians, the Christians, probably allowed this man's behavior just to keep on going in the name of, well, we're just going to be patient, and we're going to be tolerant, and look how loving and kind. And all of us have compassion. And all of us want to do that. All of us want to give people a chance. Uh, uh, but we should never underestimate uh, what people could do, and we see it in the world today, the open-mindedness of the world. Oh, this is okay. Just, just ignore this. This is not any big deal. And yet, it's a virus that's just going to eat you alive if you let it grow. Mm -hmm. These are dangerous words to uh, be, you know, including sinfulness as something that... Uh, is eh, not so bad when it actually is something that separates us from God. That's what sin does. And so though we have a wonderful freedom in 
Christ, and maybe that's what they were exercising because this was a spirit-filled church, you know. And this was some, they were free, uh, but they decided also that they were going to withdraw from him, mm -hmm. uh, th this fellow. Uh, but by the way, before we get on to the next point, uh, in Paul's second letter, the second Corinthians, mm -hmm. he addressed this very same situation again. Uh, and in second Corinthians, the second chapter in the sixth through the eighth verse, he tells them sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was afflicted by many. Everybody did it. So that contrary wise, ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him. Isn't that just the way the Lord does? And the Lord does that through shepherds too and through the congregation, just, mm -hmm. just embracing people. When they hit that bottom rung, come on, it's not over. Yeah. Come on back in. And it worked, didn't it? It, it, it worked. Yeah, That's it point. worked. When this man got out there, he hit that bottom rung, he hit that rock bottom, and he came back, and now it's time to have compassion and forgive yes. and let go of the past. And uh, thankfully, yes, that did happen. So we're finally getting into, into chapter 6 here. So verse 9 it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? So he's being... Kind of sarcastic here. Come on, guys. You should know this. The unrighteous not to inherit the kingdom of God. And then he gives a nice long list. It says, Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. I mean... You just can't get more plain than that. Paul wants right. to bring this point home. Hey, we've gotten lax. You've let carnality come in. Hey, let's set the bar straight. And I'm going to reread re this in a, new, in a different version here, in the New King James Version, in case. So we don't, we don't have to mix words right here, and we don't have to go down definitions. Verse 9 again in the New King James says, Do you not know that the unrighteous shall will not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. And even if we go into the NIV version, right, even, even, even further along here, verse 9 again. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men. And so a nice long list right here, easy to understand, but he, what's really the key word right here that's that jumps out at me be not deceived amen and that's exactly what has happened deception through either carnality or just the lies from the adversary that come in and just like to when that carnality is at its peak just poke the bear that deception has crept into corinth right and deception is that you are conceived as much that you believe a lie. You, be, you think that that lie is truth. And I got to thinking of, of an example of this. And, and really, and I think I've shared this before during, during sermons or whatnot, but it's really my own colorblindness. Brother, I am colorblind. Okay, you know this, right? Yeah, yeah. 
So when I look at the sky, to me, I could say that it is purple. I could say just flat out that that sky is purple because that's what I see. I've saw something else that someone else told me was purple. And in my mind, I compare the sky and that purple thing over there. Therefore, the sky is purple. I'm that's deceived. That's just, I believe that is a straight false lie, right? <laughs> yeah. that, that is a lie. And yet, the only difference between me and my colorblindness and here what Paul's talking about is I know I'm deceived. I know I cannot trust my eyes. Right. I know that when I look at the sky that I cannot trust to call the right color that it is. Right? right. And that's really what the, the Corinthian people should be doing. I cannot trust my own wisdom. I can't trust my own under. I can't Certainly trust not. the society in which I live in, in this, in this uh, Corinth town that I'm in, that are feeding me all these sexual immorality uh, issues and saying that maybe it's okay and, and all this kind of stuff. Do not trust any of it because my eyes can deceive me. The only one I can trust is God's word, and, you know, straight from, straight from the Lord. That's what I can trust. That's what I can hold on to. So that's, that's, that's one of the key things that spoke out to me right there in Be Not Deceived. It's, it, and arrogance can yeah. come into play too. Yeah. You know, everybody uh, doesn't want to admit that they don't know and that, that uh, they're not okay. And uh, arrogance gets in there. And, it, and in 1 Corinthians, uh, the 6th chapter, the 12th verse, all things are lawful unto me, Paul says. In other words, he has a lot of liberty in a lot of things. But all things are not expedient. And all things are not lawful for me. But I will not be brought under the power of any. But we're getting into a bigger subject here. And that is foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods. But God will destroy, will destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Well, what does this mean? Well, it would require uh, <laughs> an exhaustive discussion decipher, to decipher what God Almighty was doing when he made man in his own image. Wow, that's an astounding thought. In the image of God Almighty. Mm -hmm. But realizing uh, that in God's mind, it was not good for man to be alone. God had this figured out. That the church is the bride of Christ. Wow, we've got some interlinking spiritual things that are big and powerful. And that one day, there's just going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. We're talking about this relationship, you know, that is typified by a man and a woman, because the Lord wants an intimate relationship with us. In the, in the 14th verse, and God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. This is the very essence of our Christian faith. If the Lord hadn't raised from the dead, we wouldn't have a religion. Yeah. We wouldn't have it. Not, not every analogy uh, is perfect, but Jesus pretty well hit the nail on the head when he said, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. That's the relationship. 
He wants us to have with him something that we can't live without one another. Mm -hmm. uh, and that psalmist said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. That intimate worship. We're made, that's what we're made for. We're made to worship. Mm -hmm. And in the verse 15, he says, know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. Yeah, God forbid. Uh, continue on right there in verse 16 on that same point. He says, what? Know ye not that they which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Verse 18, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And, and one of the key words right here and um, that I wanted to point out right here is just the word flee. Flee fornication, right? Uh, same thing was kind of used in uh, with Potiphar's wife and Joseph, Genesis 39, 12. Hey, Jennifer, take off running. Yeah. Take off running. That's what, that's what Joseph did. I'm, I'm out of here. I got I to be not in the presence, right? Uh, same thing also in uh, uh, Paul's letter to Timothy. It, it says, you know, flee youthful lust. Yes. What's the key? You know, sometimes these desires, these, this fornication, right? Sometimes I just got to not put myself in the situation and I got to run from it if I happen to be in that situation. True. Right? See, it's the union of two people involves more than physical contact, right? And that's the, that's the, one of the deceptions of this world, in, in my opinion, that they are diluting this, uh, this union uh, with, between a husband and a wife. They're, they're diluting it so much and belittling it so much that now they're just calling, well, it's just a physical act. But that is not the case. It right. is special. Like a very... Like I said in the very beginning, it is so special. God created it just for husbands and wives, right? Just for that, that union between them two. That's how special and, and, and sacred, if you will, that it is. But again, the world wants to use the sexual immorality to paint this picture that is just a physical act, Right, even Paul right here uses that expression that is found there in Genesis that the that a man shall shall leave his mother and wife and, and the two, the man and the woman shall become one flesh. He uses that here in First Corinthians, and that that is again not to say that this harlot and this man is is are now one flesh, but it really shows the gravity of the sin. It does the gravity of what it means to actually commit fornication, premarital sex. It is a wrong thing because there's a bond made. There's a connection made. And it's an improper connection because that connection was only meant for a husband and wife. But the world, society, and the devil's lies are using it. And again, like I said, to belittle it. That it's just a physical act. And I want you to think about, think about mm -hmm. the connection, right? Because Eve was made from Adam, right? Think about that connection that they had. Right? Let's not uh, belittle that in any way, shape, or form. Let's hold uh, our sexual integrity in this world, and especially in the Christian body, especially, 
there at Cora. Let's hold it to this high standard that it was supposed to be. And that's exactly what, what Paul here is trying to iterate to all the, all the Corinthians right here. How important, how valuable uh, this bond is and this connection is. You know, the, the whole thing from the very beginning when the Lord made man and made woman from uh, Adam, it always has been from the beginning a type and shadow of the relationship of yeah. God and his children, mm -hmm. the children of the Lord. And he has provided a way that that intimate relationship can exist. In 1 Corinthians, one of my favorite scriptures here in the sixth chapter, in the 19th verse, this scripture is so dynamic, it just blows your mind. Uh, it says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Well, there's about 16 sermons in, this, in those two <laughs> scriptures. You could yeah. talk about a lot of things. But just think of the dynamics of being a temple of the Spirit of God, a temple of the Holy Ghost. Our daily challenge has got to be to learn how to yield and to meld into God's nature because it's within us. If we're filled with the Holy Ghost, the fruits of the Spirit are there to be exercised. We can ignore them. We can be passive about it. We cannot try to allow them to rise to the top. We can let our anger and our resentment, our arrogance, whatever else, rise to the top. Or we can pursue this intimate relationship the Lord has made available to us. What a wonderful scripture. Yeah. To, because this is the word of God. I believe it. You believe it. Yeah. Folks out there believe it. And ought, uh, we just got to let that blending of our attitudes, our spirit yeah. with the spirit he has put within us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that, that wraps up uh, chapter six, but yeah, our, our bond, that connection, Paul's saying that's with the Lord. It's not with all these sexual immorality and perverse things. No, it's with the Lord. Our bond and connection with him. We are bought with our bodies are his. Our very lives are his. Everything that we are is his. And we should be pure, we should be moral, we should maintain our sexual integrity as we walk through this life. Not be deceived, not be complacent, not try and be, uh, as the world, you know, inclusive. Because sometimes, when, I, like you said, when I start including things, because really what I'm including sometimes is sin. Yeah, That's what I'm is. including. And I gotta be careful of each and everything and be on guard, each and everything. And that's exactly what, what Paul was telling the Corinthians. We hope that something has been said today has been a blessing to you, has been an encouragement to you, that maybe maybe it's opened your eyes. Maybe what I should do, yeah, Lord, forgive me, oh God. Yeah. Well, we opened up this thing. I tried to preface it the best I could to say, you know what? Sin is sin. 
But what's worse than that is unforgiven sin. And all I got to do is come to the Lord just like this man that was really singled out right here. And, and of course, a lot of others was singled out. Was, Lord, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I was yeah. deceived. I, I, I thought this was okay. And whatever the case, whatever the word. And the Lord is faithful. He's merciful. Praise He's long-suffering. for that. Suffering to, to say, you know what? I, I welcome you back in. You're, you're part of the group again. You're part of the sheepfold again. You're part of the, the assembly again. And if you have those prayer requests, please email us at prayermasterhouse.org or, or click the link below. But Brother Hal, thank you so much for everything you had to share. And if you would, would you dismiss us now with a word of prayer? Loving Jesus, we thank you once again for the privilege to talk about your precious word. And we hope that it has been a blessing to all of those that are watching this presentation and that their hearts would be lifted up and encouraged because your spirit is moving in our midst. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good night. God bless.